I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Emerson, and I'm down on you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleich. We're part of CLNS Media and DailyThunder.com. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Happy Maps Day, Andrew! Happy what? Maps Day! Oh, Maps Day. <laughs> yeah. I was just reading that uh, Maps forecast, and there was some money in there for the Chesapeake Energy Arena. I know. It's going to be pretty cool. It says here that uh, improvements are planned for every level of the arena, including Loud City. They haven't forgotten about you. Wow. Hopefully get some elevator improvements as well. I think that would be good. (laughs) Why? What's the deal with the elevators? (laughs) If you get too many people in the elevator, it will stop. Oh, that's fun. But you don't know how many people it it needs? It's an adventure. (laughs) And they have, so they have people that run the elevators there. (laughs) I feel I feel a little bit bad for him because they sit there and she's like, nope, think that's too many. We need to get one off of here. <laughs> she's just guessing? Yeah, she's just guessing. We don't know. <laughs> so It sounds like they just need a scale. <laughs> sounds like, yeah, everybody step on a scale before you get in here. <laughs> don't scrap the elevators. Right. Oh, so we're at a much different position than we were last week. With uh, this my how the tables have turned on you, Andrew Schlecht. Well, I just this is, they're just in a really interesting place. I don't I don't think this means that they're heading in a different direction entirely. I don't actually think that at all. But I do think that it may change their approach for the trade deadline a little bit. Uh, I still think they're going to try to trade Gallinari uh, because he's expiring, and you can't extract value out of him this summer. But I. I think this team being, if this team was really bad and maybe they've won like four games by now, which is, which was a possibility heading into the season because we thought the Warriors and the Pelicans were going to be good. And instead the Thunder feasted on both those teams and have now won. I mean, this road trip, you look back, they barely beat Minnesota. Let's, I mean, there's a, there's a chance that you're after you lose to Indiana that you're looking at lost to Minnesota, lost to Portland, lost to Utah. I mean, I think at minimum you were thinking they're going to lose to Utah and Portland on the road. Uh, but they didn't. Especially if you're a Jay. Especially if you're Jay, who thought they would lose five in a row, and now they've won three in a row. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they beat Minnesota at home in that wild game. Uh, and then they beat Portland and Utah back-to-back. I mean, it's yeah. just been it's been pretty... Crazy, and I do think that, and we talked about this preseason that before the season started, if they by the end of December were around 500, that this team could probably make the playoffs. And the rest of their December schedule is not that crazy. They got Sacramento tonight in Sacramento, then they go to Denver, they come home for Chicago, who's been miserable, they have Memphis at home, who's been miserable, and then they have Phoenix at home who's a decent team, but still like those are winnable games. So there's four out of the next five 
are winnable games, and maybe I'm just jinxing them right here. Uh, but then you got Clippers, Memphis again, Charlotte, Toronto, and Dallas. And so they could conceivably be around 500 at the end of December. Which Sounds is, like you're sniffing playoffs, Andrew. Well, that along with these other teams that have just wet the bed. And, you know, if you're the Thunder, I think for their for the future, I think it's better to have a higher draft pick. But if you have a chance to to get into the playoffs, I mean, why not? I mean, why not? It's, and I think that they... I thought that you remove Gallinari, and we saw it the other night. I thought you move, remove Gallinari, and this team is not going to be very good. Uh, it turns out they were <laughs> pretty good. And I also think that Chris Paul has improved a lot as the season's gone on. I think that he's kind of figured out his spot with the team and is doing a really good job of teaching these young guys and bringing them along. And because there was a time where it was like, oh no, Chris Paul looks a little washed. Like he looks, he does not look very good. Uh, but this team has started to find a groove and it, it was the same with Steven. And I, at, at one point in the season, I think that Steven and Chris weren't even really helping all that much with this team. And now they clearly are. And that makes a yeah. huge difference. It's a massive difference. I mean, especially with like, you can just look at Chris Paul's assist numbers. Like he's consistently getting a decent amount of assists. Where remember at the beginning of the season, he like didn't get over four. Yeah, for a couple of games in a row. Yep. And uh, yeah, he looks great. Stephen Adams looks back to what we wanted him to look like, yep. and that's probably been the single biggest change. Mm-hmm. Because when he was bad, you looked at this team and it was just like, what's the point? Like, let's just trade all these guys. December fifteenth, midnight. I want all of them gone yeah. and let's just start the tank. But now, I mean, these last few games have been so entertaining. Like the Portland game was great. The jazz game was crazy impressive. It really was. I mean, to, to not have Gallo, to be on the second night of a back-to-back, not have Ferguson, play in Lou Dort, <laughs> big minutes. Played like 35 minutes. And, yeah. And didn't foul great. out, which was I'm, impressive. Yeah, and, and and then you start looking at these standings. It's like, man, even if you didn't want to make the playoffs, you look at some of these West teams, it's like, do you really feel better about these other teams in comparison to the Thunder? I mean, the Thunder just feel way more cohesive than some of the other things that are going on right now in the Western Conference. Yeah, they looked a lot better than the Jazz, a lot more cohesive, which I think I think the top six in the West, is those. I think that's who's going to be in. And there's going to be two spots available. So Lakers, Clippers, Mavs, Rockets, Nuggets, Jazz. I think they all get in. And then you have this group of OKC, Phoenix, Sacramento, Minnesota, Portland, San Antonio. And that's that's the group, right? Like that's the group. Two out of those six teams will get in. And Alex, who would you guess would get in today? Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) uh, I don't want to pick any of them. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Spurs. I don't like what's going on with the Spurs. Yeah. They they have won two in a row, but. Two games out of the eighth seed. 
That is true. It's only two games out of the eight seed. I should go with the Spurs. Okay, I'm going with the Spurs. <laughs> I talked myself out of it and then talked myself <laughs> right back into it. <laughs> and then the other team, I'd probably still say the Blazers. I mean, why would I choose one of these loser franchises? The Suns, the Kings, the Timberwolves? I'm really going to pick one of those teams? Yeah. Stake my claim there? No, thank you, Andrew. What about OKC? You think, I mean... Oh, if they stayed together? Just, let's just, I, th- I think they're going to trade Gallinari. I think that's going to happen. So this team minus Gallinari. No, I wouldn't choose that team. Okay. I still think top I to mean, bottom without Gallinari, I still think they're better than the Blazers. That they well, have but <laughs> what if, what better if talent. Gallinari is going to the Blazers? <laughs> then that changes the calculus a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'd pick the Blazers. I mean... So, so the big takeaway for me fr- from that Woj report that said, you know, Presti is uh, he's cool with making the playoffs. They might make a playoff push. In fact, there are no rush to trade in these players. If you're looking at from a leverage perspective, you know, it's only December 15th coming up here. Like we have until the trade deadline in the mm-hmm. middle of February and we may want to trade a few of these guys. But we have no reason to do it before February necessarily. Whereas there's teams like Portland who have a reason to want to trade on December 15th at midnight. Yep. Like there are a few teams like that. And so I feel like that's where the leverage is. I I still think Sam in his head ideally would want to trade at least Gallo and maybe even another player like Schroeder. But in the grand scheme of things, if it happens on December 15th or the middle of February, who really cares? Like, yes, it will affect our pick a little bit, um, but I don't think it really matters. Whereas for these other teams, it really matters. Like they, they have to get back on track like right now, today. Yeah. Yeah. And even Phoenix, who they're, they're a team that I feel like is just poised to do something really stupid. Yes. I can't wait. They have to. And I mean, Gallinari makes sense for them too. Yeah. Or if you could get a Phoenix pick in the future, <laughs> I mean, that would you know be what? amazing. That actually leads into, I know we're doing Reddit mailbag, but I actually got one really good question from Twitter. Okay. Uh, from at Roger Wells. It's his name's Roger Wells. Okay. <laughs> but his handle is R O G A H. Raja. Raja. Okay. I, he said, I was trying to rank owners I'd most like to have their future first. His his top five, James Dolan, number one, Robert Sarver, number two, Tillman mm-hmm. Fertitta, number three, Vivek Ranadive, number four, and Michael Jordan, number five. And I think that's actually a pretty good list. The yeah. only change I was thinking was Jeannie Buss instead of Michael Jordan at, at my five spot, which might be a little controversial, but... I just feel like Jordan's Hornets tenure has been marked by consistent mediocrity. Yeah. And I, I really want a team that's like more willing to like go out on a ledge like the Lakers were with this AD trade, giving up all these future unprotected first. Mm-hmm. I'd rather a team like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think James Dolan and I think Robert Sarver would still be my number two. Yeah. And shout out to Tillman making the top five. <laughs> I know, man. Thunder already have got some Tillman picks in their back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could trade Tyler Johnson and a first round pick for Gallinari. 
and it works. And it even saves the Thunder some money. Yeah. And then if you're Phoenix, I mean, that allows you to have a really solid team. You can bring Dario Sarge off the be- off the bench and you have what you think is a really solid team and you still might not make the playoffs with that crew. But if you're the Thunder, I think that that would make a ton of sense, especially if you could push it out a little bit further. That it's not this, that's not a 2020 draft pick, that it's a 2022 or 2023 draft pick. You know, when Devin Booker gets angry and wants to get traded and then they have to restart, oh crap, we have this pick out to the Thunder because we made a, pu- a playoff push in 2020. So I, I really, yeah. I really think that they're, they're such, I think those are the kind of teams that the Thunder should go to look at. Like who's, who really wants to to go all in and and try to make the playoffs? You know, Orlando, Phoenix, teams like that. I'm really interested to see what Minnesota does because the rumors came out this week that the Rockets were really interested in Robert Covington, mm-hmm. Lord Covington, as he is known on the Reddit fantasy basketball page. <laughs> uh, but the Timberwolves, you know, they're right there. They're a game out. Of the playoffs, they haven't made the playoffs in. Oh wait, no, they made it. Did it with Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, once in probably twelve years or something. Mm-hmm. And they have a brand new GM from Houston. Yep. So I'm just really interested to see what way they go. How do they, they get to ten million? Way. How do they get to eleven point three million? Uh, thank you for asking, Andrew. I actually know the answer to this. So they would have to trade like four players. Yeah. And they'd either have to include Ben McElmore or Daniel House. Yeah. Those are like the guys that matter to their team right now. Um, other guys like uh, Austin Rivers, he has a essentially a no trade clause because he's a one-year deal. So he can block a trade. So they would have to be trading guys like Nene and Tyson Chandler and Daniel House and like Isaiah Hartenstein. Like it'd be something like that. You can also just trade Clint Capella straight up, but nobody, none of the Rockets fans seems to want to do that, which yeah. I get. But yeah, if you could give up a a small package and the, the best player you're giving up is like Daniel House or Ben McElmore, and then on top of that, you're obviously having to give them picks, which they still have their 2020 pick and they still have their 2022 pick mm-hmm. to trade. So they could theoretically give two picks. I mean, they gave one for Amon Shumpert. <laughs> <laughs> Two seems really fair, relatively speaking, for Robert Covington. I know. Yeah, and he would be great. Like that would be that would change my opinion of Houston a little bit. Yeah, it would help them quite a bit. It's still they still Especially have the same when, they still have the same problems when it comes down to the playoffs. But you know, he helps some. They do, but I, I mean, as much as I like Daniel House. As much as Ben McElmore has been really good to start this season, or at least this part of the season, I don't know if I trust those guys in like a game six where they like have to make a corner three. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel a lot better about Robert Covington. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I just, then like, what's your closing five for Houston? You got uh, Russell Westbrook. Heard of him? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard James 
James Harden, mm-hmm. Clint Capella, Robert Covington's your four, mm-hmm. and then three is whoever's left over from House and Macklemore. PJ, or no, it's Gordon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, PJ coming back. Oh, PJ. Oh, oh, I'd go small ball then. Man, if you threw out PJ, Robert Covington, Eric Gordon, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Them. That's kind of interesting. And Sid Capella. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you'll still need him for some matchups, but I don't think you need him for every matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. In the same way they used him last season. Yeah. Playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know what else is interesting? Uh, food. Mid-first mid bank. Mid-first. <laughs> mid-first bank. Hey, Thunder fans, it's time to take your game to the next level with the Mid-first bank and the Thunder Rewards credit card. As the exclusive provider of the Thunder credit card, Mid-first is bringing you a chance to score big. For a limited time, you can earn a $150 bonus when you apply for the Thunder Rewards credit card and spend $1,000 in the first 90 days. Apply today at midfirst.com backslash thunderoffer and deepen your Thunder pride today. Midfirst Bank is proud to be the official bank of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the exclusive provider of Thunder Visa credit cards, debit cards, and gift cards. Be Thunder proud every time you make a purchase. Apply today for your Thunder Rewards credit card at midfirst.com backslash thunderoffer and make every purchase with Thunder authority. It's a great deal. You should really do it. If you uh, need a credit card and you need an extra 150 bucks, boom. You should do it. It's a great deal. I'm a MidFirst member. See? All, all the way in Portland. I don't even know if it makes sense for me to still be banking in Oklahoma, but I've stuck <laughs> with MidFirst because I like them so much. See? They're great. And I have, I have an account there as well. And I, I'm, I'm probably going to get that credit card just because I would like to have an extra 150 bucks. Uh, okay, let's go through some of these questions from Thunder Reddit. We appreciate you guys uh, sending these in. Uh, so this first question says, Hey guys, it's time for the ketchup scale. From fresh fruit to chicken nuggets, how bad do we need a down-to-dort shirt in, in time for Christmas? I'm thinking we're at Mexican barf levels of need here. Signed, Royce. Um, I think it's a good idea. And I would like to do one. I don't know. If, I don't think I'll say this. There's no chance we get it done in time for Christmas. But <laughs> I will present it to to our good friends at Shop Good and see what we can do. But we do have that Shea Gilders Alexander shirt, the Fresh Prince of of Thunder. Um, it's uh, still in pre order, and if you can order it by December 18th, uh, you'll be able to have it in time for Christmas. So. Please go pre-order those. They're really cool. If you go to shopgoodokc.com backslash DTD, uh, it's it's a it's a great shirt. It's really cool, and there's kind of there's some exciting things coming with that and with Shopgood. So stay tuned. Uh, next question is from JLo two eight three six. So with all the talk about a midseason tournament, what if? At the end of the season, they take the bottom 16 teams and have a playoff that include incentives to players. That way, fans don't normally get to see their team play in the playoffs, get an opportunity to see what the postseason atmosphere is like. I think it personally would be pretty cool to watch the bottom 16 teams play. The winning team 
gets the first gets a first round pick. Watching these teams have something to really play for would be fun to watch, almost like the finals. Thoughts? You know what I was thinking of when I saw that? What? Uh, the NBA team who was a lottery team. I can't remember which team it was. You'll have to remind me. Uh, we're like in the huddle in a game in March. They went one, two, three, Cancun. Yeah. Who, I don't remember that. I think it was the Kings. Yeah, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think those teams like want to do anything at that point other than go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that, that this is also like a participation trophy type situation where it's like, oh, you guys missed out, but you get to do this anyways, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Uh, I think the midseason tournament is probably is a better idea, and still a lot of people don't like it. Um, but I think it would be hard to get people on board for a end of season tournament. It is an interesting idea, though. Uh, for debt forever says, what happened between Burton and Schroeder in the locker room that got him sent to the G League? Also, pretend you're in Presley's position. If the Thunder are still in the playoff contention right before the All-Star break and you get offers for Danilo, like a 2021 first-round pick from the Blazers, would you be willing to deal him and blow up the team chemistry or try to convince him to stay for a playoff run and agree to sign and trade, agree to a sign-and-trade deal this offseason? So the first question, I don't know. I don't know the Did answer. You see the first comment, though? As Andrew already said, never will I talk about that, about the burden thing. (laughs) Did Did I say that? that? Did I? I don't know. I don't know. You're trying to cover something up, Andrew. Trying to cover it up. I don't remember. Uh, I I don't, I have not, I was not present for that. I was at that game, but I wasn't present for the uh, altercation that happened. I heard there was a lot of yelling, and that's really all that I know. And so... I do know that it's a really bad thing for Deontay Burton, though, because the Thunder, when I was, we were talking yesterday on the Dream Team, like, when's the last time the Thunder suspended a guy for content detrimental to the team? I mean, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And so if you're a guy that's not even in the rotation, that is, you know, struggling to make it in the NBA, and something like that happens, I mean, you're, it's it's just a bad situation for Deontay. I feel I feel from a little bit, but you can't be a problem and be a guy that's at the end of the bench. You just can't. The th- the Thunder are a team that just will not have that. That's just not going to happen. Um, and especially so, when the guy they bring up to replace him like instantly starts getting playing time and looking like yep equivalent to Deontay Burton, at least in terms of like what Deontay was contributing to the team. Yeah. If, if not even above that. So like, how do you go back at this point? I mean, you, I guess you could send Devin Hall down, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And the, the end of the bench guys are the most easily replaceable guys in the league. And just like you said, we saw it with Dort bring him up. Oh, you can play, play him. Playing 35 minutes against a good team in the Western Conference. So I think it's overall just a really, it's a bad look for Deontay. Uh, I'm not saying that you should just write him off and that he shouldn't be um, a part of the team anymore, but I do think that it's, unless he has a complete, you know, complete turnaround, like attitude-wise and and whatnot, and can kind of prove that, you know, this is just, you know, something that happened that'll never happen again. 
then I, I think that you know Deontay may will probably not be with the Thunder for very long. But that's something something to watch for. Uh, and the second question about Gallinari, get a 2021 first round pick from the Blazers. Give me that. Give me that. I'll take it. Um, yeah, it, it all depends what these, because we're, we're talking about, oh, Gal is obviously worth a first, and everyone agrees with that at this point. It's about what type of first it is, because we'll have a question coming up, like what are the best assets on other teams right now in terms of picks? And you look at a lot of the first round picks out there right now are lottery protected for like three years. And then they turn into two second rounders. Mm -hmm. That is what the majority of first rounders are. And so if you got like that pick from the blazers, like a 2020 lottery protected first, it will be lottery protected next year. And then it turns into two seconds. I think that's what Presti may be getting offered right now, which maybe prompted him to say like, Oh, we're cool with making the playoffs. Because right. I don't think you – I mean, you could do a trade for that, but you don't have to do it on December 15th. Like, you can get that pick in the middle of February. Yeah. Like, we want picks that are a little bit better. Maybe, like, top 10 protected, and they become, like, top 6 protected or something like that. Like, it doesn't ha- necessarily have to be an unprotected pick, but I don't want to just trade for some lottery-protected pick that then becomes two seconds to a team that traditionally has made the playoffs. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think that you have to – I mean, if you can get it to be, you know, top five protected or something like that instead, I think that that's what you would prefer because you just never know. Like Dame could have an injury and then that team is immediately in the lottery and you just, you just never know with, with any of these guys. And so I think that it's, it's important and Presti knows the importance of it. I don't think that every team, uh, values these things like Sam does with protections and pick swaps and things of that nature. But I think Sam does. And so I think that he's, he's, he's not going to trade Gallinari just to trade him. And he's not going to do that. goes for really everybody on the team. I really think everybody on the team could be had at a price. And the, the problem with all of that is that not many teams are going to meet the price of all these players. I think it'd be really hard to meet the price for a Steven Adams. I think it'd be really hard to meet the price of a Shea Gilders Alexander. I I don't know what the price is for Chris Paul, but that's hard to meet just because of how much money he makes. Uh, to get that up to that much salary is really a difficult thing to do, uh, and that's why I think they'll wait until the summer to trade him when there's more cap space available and and teams that are maybe a little bit more motivated to change their team. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be tough. But I think that you can. Gallinari's salary isn't crazy. And he will help you immediately. And so there's there's going to be teams that we talked about earlier, Phoenix and Portland and Orlando and teams like that that could maybe use uh, Gallinari. And so I, I think that it's, it's definitely something to watch for, but I think that you can't just let him expire. And you can't count on him doing a sign-and-trade deal. And I don't know that the Thunder really want to because that limits your flexibility uh, if you do a sign-and-trade. So I think that they'd rather just trade him this season. And... You know, we saw in Utah that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all over for this Thunder team. Uh, if it if they do trade them, to, if they do trade him to a team like the Blazers, uh, it it changes that. But if you trade him to the Eastern Conference, I don't know. I mean, this team could still be in the mix because I do think that there's some desperate teams in the West that may there's not a lot out there, and they may not be able to make a deal. And if they can't, they need to pay up. Yeah. <laughs> They need to pay us, Andrew. 
<laughs> hey, Andrew, I have an update. I have an update for you. Okay. On uh, the Robert Covington trade. Yeah. So I read into it a little bit more. The reason why the one I proposed earlier wouldn't work likely is that uh, the Timberwolves would have to clear like three roster spots. Oh, my goodness. To do that. So it sounds like we've got another uh, Jimmy Butler sign-in trade on our hands. Okay. Yeah. Where it would have to like the stars would have to align perfectly. Yeah. It's possible, <laughs> but it's unlikely. Yeah. The, it's tough for Houston to make a trade. Because if yeah, especially because you can't trade Eric Gordon, yeah, because he just signed his extension, and that was the that was the guy, and he was really bad when he was playing, and now he's out with an injury, and if he comes back and he's the guy he was at the beginning of the season, that extension looks really bad, I mean really really bad, and it's it's almost helpful to have a just a big contract, no matter what the caliber of player is, that's attached to it. Like the Tyler Johnson deal is going to be helpful to Phoenix because they could make a Gallinari and a first round pick and not lose a whole lot. And right. but Gordon, well, he is important to them. But if he is not as good as he was, like if he can't play as good as Ben McLemore has been playing, then great, we can trade him and bring in a piece. You know, throw in a pick or two and bring in a piece that does fit. I think that's. But I mean, maybe Gordon's fine. I don't know. We're talking lots of Rockets talk today. Um, Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, salt, salter than, uh, could you see Chris Paul staying in OKC through the rest of his contract? This seems like we have to, we'd have to take back a lot of negative assets to trade him as far as overpaid veterans go. I don't see, I don't think there's a better one in the league to help a culture here going forward. Yeah, I mean, if he just wants to hoop, we can let him hoop. <laughs> We've got hooping available. <laughs> he wants to hoop. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, I I don't think that that's going to happen. I just don't. I think that Chris would like to move on. Uh, I I do think that he's good for the culture, and I do think that he's good for the for the young guys. But I just don't see it happening. Uh, I think that they will move on, and it will be a good thing for for both parties and. The Thunder are willing to take on long-term money of veterans that aren't very good in order to receive assets back, which is a good thing. Because if they weren't willing to do that, if they were like, yeah, no, we need a productive player and a pick. Okay, well, you're probably not getting that for Chris Paul. But if you're a team, if you want to trade with a team that has a longer-term money on their books that... You know, you can swap it out, and you're basic. They are basically paying for the Thunder to take on these bad contracts, and they get you know Chris Paul is still a good player in return. I think that that's a possibility. It opens you up to a lot more opportunities. So, uh, I do like what I've seen from Chris this season, but I just don't. I don't see the Thunder or Chris Paul wanting to have this long term relationship, um, even though things have gone well. Uh, next question comes from Fighter and the. Uh, could Aaron Gordon be a fit on the Thunder? He's a one through four defender and has been guarding the opposing team's best perimeter player. It would save Ferguson when we play LeBron and Kawhi types. Contractor for three more seasons on a deal that gets cheaper every season and only 27 in his final year either a fun highlight reel player to tank with or a potential star quality player that we can squeeze a little bit more out of him. 
This is the type of guy who I would have loved to trade for, like right after Katie left. Yeah, for sure. It would have made made a lot of sense back then, <laughs> especially because he can't shoot really. Uh, so he would have really fit. <laughs> he would have been great on those Thunder teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now I I don't know. I view him more as an asset. Like I don't. I I, I guess I just don't know. Like, what's the point? Yeah, if this team were going for it and you could do like a Gallo and a pick and you swap him and Aaron Gordon and that's, you know, the the magic, feel like that's fair. I think that that's a deal that if you're going for it, if you're wanting to be a team that like this is our team and we're going forward with Chris Paul and SGA and, and Steven Adams and we can bring in Aaron Gordon to be our power forward, you know, moving forward and that's who we are. I, that's that would make sense if the Thunder just wanted to make the playoffs and they just wanted to be a team that you know got in every year and you know maybe got to the second round or you know if things broke right like the Blazers you get to the conference finals if that's who you want to be yeah I that's great that's not who the Thunder team wants to be that's not who, where the front office is headed and so that's it's just not to me it's it, it's just a deal that doesn't make sense. Uh, and Aaron Gordon's had kind of a rough season to start. Yeah, he's averaging 13 points per game on 42% from the field, 31% from three. He's just not been great. And so if that's the player that he is, like, I, no thanks. You know, I don't, I don't know. He's a good defender. He's an interesting player. I think that he's 24 years old. Um, I just, I don't know. If this, if he's headed towards stardom, so I and I don't think the Thunder are interested in bringing in players that are this caliber of player, um, just because I they're they're aiming much higher. I think that bringing Aaron Gordon on is would firmly place you in the middle, and the Thunder are wanting to avoid the middle at all costs. And so that I would like to see him on a different team. Sure, yeah, I think that there's a lot of teams that could use an Aaron Gordon. Uh, and it would be, it would be nice to to see him play for somebody else, but uh, not OKC. Uh, let's see from Ham Sizzle Three. After showing flashes of potential in the past few games, does Lugans down to Dort Dort look like a piece we should hold on to throughout the rebuild, or is it too soon to tell? Uh, it's too soon to tell for sure. What he's played two games. <laughs> We've seen two games, Andrew. We've seen two games. One, the first game he fouled out, um, and he. But listen, he he's a part of that ending, the the ending of that Minnesota game. Because if he doesn't get that steal, that they don't win that game. If that doesn't happen, they don't win the game. And so, it's he's he's a really interesting player. He has the potential to be a really good defensive guard. Uh, offensively, he is going to be Tony Allen-esque, and that's that's a concern. Uh, but if he can be a high-level defender, you, there's always a need for a high-level wing defender uh, in the NBA. And so, uh, But we're going to have to see more, for sure. Andrew, let me ask you a question. Okay. If a Thunder player making a three-pointer was the difference between you living and dying, okay? 
Okay. So if they miss it, you're going to get killed, and I'm going to be the murderer, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm killing you. <laughs> okay. But you have to choose between Dort, uh-huh. uh huh, Hamadou. Oh, boy. And <laughs> who else should I throw in there? I mean, honestly, the decision, real decision is between those two because I thought Hamadou had the craziest threes. Yeah. I feel like Dort showed us some stuff in those <laughs> first two games. Dort's got some. He's in college, he had the highest arcing three ball that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and he's trying to correct it. He's trying to improve it. I guess I'd take Hami, I guess. I don't know. What, what, what if I throw Robertson in there? Do you go Robertson yeah, instantly? I, I mean, today's Robertson? Or like somehow... Today, right now. Time machine under Robertson. I guess I'd take Robertson... <laughs> I'm dying I think, I think though. Is yeah, really dead. what's going to happen? I'm just a dead man. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a it's an issue, but I like I like Lou's mentality. We I got to interview him several weeks ago. He's a really he's a really great guy. He's really interesting, and you know off off the podcast we talked, and he's extremely motivated to get to the NBA and to be a player in the NBA. Um, and so him going undrafted, I think, you know, kind of lit a fire under him. So I think he's, he's a, he's a player that I think has a chance to make it in the league. And I think the Thunder would, would love for him to, to be a part of their rebuild and maybe not be a starting level player, but be a guy off the bench. that can come off the bench and be, have similar to Hami that has, you know, defensive potential and can just kind of make stuff happen. And that's, you know, if you've got a couple of those guys coming off your bench, that's not a bad thing. You uh, certainly got the body for it. Kevin Calabro just was going on and on. <laughs> was he? Uh, thick he was. <laughs> <laughs> he's thick. He's a, he's a he big guy. Him. He's not super tall, but he's a big guy. Uh, second question from Ham Sizzle 3. Is headband Schroeder a thing now? Schroedmeister put up 27 in 31 minutes against Utah and some pretty efficient shooting all while wearing a blue headband last night. How is his trade value looking to other teams? Uh, and then he says, thank you for your awesome content. You guys are the reason why I listen to any podcast now. Wow, thank you. Wow. Uh, I don't know if it's a thing. Uh, Schroeder playing well in Utah is a thing. And he has played well there the past few years. And he is just n- not afraid of Gobert at all. And he hits the mid-range jumpers and he kind of lures... Uh, lures him out and then is able to get past him. He's one of the really one of the faster guys with the basketball in the league. Uh, he doesn't always finish well at the rim, but he's really fast. And I think that he has no fear of Gobert or this Jazz squad, and he always uh, performs against them. And so I think that's a thing. I don't know if the headband's a thing, but I think that him playing well against the Jazz is. Yeah, and uh, in terms of his trade value, I mean, he is definitely a guy who at the beginning of the year, I was thinking, man, if we could get like a second, that would mm-hmm. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would be excited with a second. I don't even really care where it is. If you can just trade him as a neutral asset. Um, but now it seems like there's teams who are like kind of interested in him. He's been good. Which I get. Like, I know he's been, he's been legit- good. Legitimately and he, good. He's a ball handler and you can always use a ball handler and it feels like he shot well from three, even though he actually is shooting worse than last year. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel much more confident in his shot this year. 
So yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how much of an asset is he is, but if we got something back for him, it wouldn't surprise me as much as it might have like two months ago. Yeah. If you look at the lineup data, I mean, he's a part of every single good lineup with the Thunder this season. And it's crazy. It is. It's crazy. Good for him. I know. Good for him. Uh, next, hey, ask DJ DJ Pro's question. Um. Okay. Where is I did homework? Okay. Where's okay? There we go. Uh, DJ Deej Pro Eleven says, "What are the best draft assets on other teams? What would it take to get the Memphis first round pick from Boston? And then besides Chris Paul, what are the top five worst three or four year contracts? And what assets would you ask for in return for taking on any of them?" Okay, so the easiest question to answer is number two: What would it take to get the Memphis first from Boston? If you're giving them any of our big time contracts that we have been talking about trading. I don't think it can happen Yeah, because they would have to break up their core. The only way is, has this ever happened? Can you trade a pick for a pick? Yeah. Can you trade picks for a pick? I mean, they do it at the draft all the time. I guess that's true. So that's the only way I could see this happening is if we traded like two of our future first for that Memphis first, because we value it so highly. Yeah. Cause it, it is a blue chipper. So like talking about his first question, his or her, I don't know, who, what are the best draft assets on other teams? I came up with my top five. I went through all of the future draft picks that are going out. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, it's like 80% of them are lottery protected for two years and then they turn into two seconds. Mm-hmm. Trash first. I don't want them. Yeah, I don't want those either. So my honorable mentions, first, the 2021 unprotected first from Dallas that the New York Knicks got in the Porzingis trade seemed a lot better like this summer. Mm-hmm. Now that Luca is uh, the going soon to be the reigning MVP forever and ever, it doesn't get me as excited, but it is still an unprotected pick. I mean, we don't know. Uh, Luca could get hurt one season. It happens. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that picks, that picks becomes more valuable. But I like it because it's unprotected. The other one, which I forgot about this one, was the 2020 first-round pick from Utah that Memphis owns. So it's really weirdly protected. You can only get it if it falls between 8 and 14 for the next two seasons. But then after that, starting in 2022, it's only top 6 protected, then top 3 protected, then top 1 protected in 2024. I just like that pick, and I like this type of structure for picks where they go out a really long time, where it's not two years and then it turns into seconds. It's like five years and then it turns into seconds because it just gives you more opportunities. Mm-hmm. No, so those were my honorable mentions. Don't even care about them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number five, the 2021 unprotected first rounder from the Lakers owned by the Pelicans. And by the way, if we did this with the Thunder picks, mm-hmm. man, you got to go on and look up what picks they have every once in a while because it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I'd forgotten about some of them. I didn't realize – like. Three unprotected picks from the Clippers just right in a row. Yep. That's crazy. It is crazy. Okay. So I didn't include any of the OKC stuff because these are other teams. So first is the 2021 unprotected first rounder from the Lakers. It's The reason I like it is because it's protected initially, 8 through 30, but it actually becomes unprotected in 2022. Mm-hmm. So we're really talking about unprotected pick in 2022. That was a little bit longer than the Dallas picks that I gave it the nod. Then – you get the 2023 unprotected first rounder from the Lakers that the Pelicans also own. Shout out to the Pelicans. Now, this is a pick swap. 
but that's pretty great. Because now at this point we're talking about 37 year old LeBron. Yeah. Who knows? We don't know what's going to happen. Andrew knows is right. Number three, 2024 first round pick from Golden State that Memphis owns. I kind of forgot about this one. So it is only protected one through four in 2024. Top one protected in 2025. Unprotected in 2026. That's like a perfect pick. I love that pick. Yeah, that's a nice one. You're getting a first rounder no matter what. It does not turn into seconds. It eventually becomes unprotected. and Even the existing protections are really low. Love that. Then I'm doing number two, 2024 unprotected Lakers pick to New Orleans. The reason I chose this one for my number two is because the Pelicans get to choose whether they want the 2024 or the 2025, (laughs) which that'll be such an interesting decision to make because let's say like, I don't know. Let's say LeBron's out of the league. AD's still good, but you know maybe they end up with like the 18th pick. Like it's mm-hmm. not a great Laker team or something. And you have to decide like, do we give this up and go for it next year? Because then you're guaranteed to get their pick, or do we just take what we got? Because maybe they'll add in free agents this summer. I just think that's a cool thing that they'll get to do. Yeah. <laughs> And then my number one is, because it's happening so soon, that 2020 first-rounder from Memphis that Boston owns. Yeah, It's only protected top six this year, and then it becomes unprotected next year. Again, no turning into a second-round pick, low pick protections as it is. They could get it this year. I was looking at the standings. Memphis is currently the sixth-worst team. Mm -hmm. So right now they're in that sixth spot. We know with the new lottery odds there's a lot of movement, so they could easily move back to seven or eight, and Boston could get it this year. But that would be my number one simply because it's happening so soon. Like that, the the value of that asset is already much clearer than some of these other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the season ended today, which it never, ever would, and I don't know why people say that. It could. Boston would have it. Boston would have their pick. That would be cool. That would. For them. That would be cool for them to get the, and the then, six pick. Uh, DJ Pro 11 also asks, what are the top five worst contracts? I was trying to look at, so there's not as many bad contracts anymore as I once thought. Yeah, 2016 like, is, that that is ending. Yeah. And all those like guys if, are expiring. If we did this three years ago, mm-hmm. there'd be so many more contracts. And that's what made that report so interesting. Because I feel like uh, Shams said something about how teams are looking to clear 2021 space. Yeah, because that's when Giannis is going to be there. It's going to be a generally a better free agent class than the 2020 class. But I started looking at some of these long-term contracts. It's not like there's a ton of obvious ones. Like looking at just cheaper guys. So I think Dwayne Dedman's a really bad deal already. Yeah. He's making 13.3 million next year and the year after. Oh. He's playing four, 14 minutes per game right now for the Kings. That is way too much. Yeah, he doesn't play for them. Yeah, so I think that's already a bad contract. So maybe that's something they would want to clear because they're going to be paying a lot of guys by that time. Wow. With like Fox and Bagley and Heald and everyone mm. else on that team. Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes, <laughs> I could probably if, could have included. But when we're thinking about the worst contracts overall, I went John Wall number one. Yeah. Oh, and I'm leaving out CP3 and I'm leaving out Russ because we're not going to trade for Russ. They're not going to trade for Russ, but his, his deal is is bad. Yeah, I would, I would have normally included it. Second, I, I, I think I would go Tobias Harris. Really? 
I was looking at the other my other options. Yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you what my top five was. So John Wall, Tobias Harris, Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> I went Al Horford and Kevin Love. <laughs> it's got to be Isn't Kevin Love and then Al Horford, right? I guess, but Al Horford makes money the next three years, which I guess Kevin Love does as well. But he's a lot older. I mean, he's already 30. He's going to be 34 at the end of the season. Yeah. So we're talking about through 37-year-old Al Horford. <laughs> By the way, he's playing fine. Like, his stats are the exact same as last year. Yeah, yeah, he's been good. So maybe I'm being unfair, but I just wouldn't want 75 more million dollars committed to Al Horford at this stage of his career. So the Sixers have two of the worst contracts in the league, according to Al Baby Cakes. Al Baby Cakes. Now, I did have some honorable mentions. I, you know, Eric Gordon, we don't know. Like, right now, it feels like one of the worst ones. But if he comes back and he's healthy, whatever. But he has four years after this year. That's bad. At a, at around twenty million. That is bad, man. That's bad, man. That's a bad man. <laughs> uh, I was looking at you know Terry Rozier. Yeah, obviously is a popular one. He made he's making eighteen point nine next year and seventeen point nine the year after. But still, that's only like two more years beyond this year. Yeah. And for the Hornets, you look at their team in two years. He's basically the only big money contract they have committed. Mm-hmm. And then the other one would be Blake Griffin, thirty six point eight. Yeah. Next year, 38.9 in two years. Again, it's two years. That's why I, I don't know. I'm kind I'm trying to predict the next like Blake Griffin contract. Yeah. Because I would rather have Blake Griffin, I think, right now than having Tobias Harris's contract. Which yeah, is Blake is really good. Blake is still really good. He is. I mean, are there any other contracts that pop up in your mind. The whole point of this is that I don't actually think there's a ton of bad contracts. So when we talk about the Thunder absorbing some contracts or being willing to absorb bad contracts, I was kind of surprised cuz like who would it be? Who are we talking about? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not sure either. Cuz I don't think they would take any of those big deals that I talked about. No, and they those guys are good. Like, so. like a lot of those guys are good. Like right, they, they are good. They're just a lot of money. They may take Bledsoe. Bledsoe makes a little bit of sense there. And then there's guys like Batum and uh, there's some other guys that have like one player option year remaining next year. What about Wall for Chris Paul and the Wizards give a couple picks? Uh, man. And then what do you do with John Wall? Do you play him? I don't know. Once he gets healthy? If he if he does, I don't know. Can he get healthy? But isn't there like something good about like as long as John Wall is injured, don't they not have to pay that contract? They have like insurance an insurance policy on him. Yeah. But they did not they applied for the disabled player exception, did not get it. Which means they did they just can't add another roster spot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It depends. Always depends on what the picks are, Andrew. Yeah. Don't don't give me that lottery protected <laughs> stuff. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, the top end players, you know, like the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, like those are bad. But the other guys, like Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron, KD, Kimba Walker, will make thirty seven million in twenty twenty three. Which yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, oh, you, 
you know what I've been thinking about this when I was looking at those big contracts? What if we're talking about China? We're talking about uh, declining TV viewership. What if in the same way we had a 2016 cap spike, what if we had like a 2022 cap crunch, Andrew? Oh, yeah, the, we what could if have the, a cap crunch. What if the cap was like slashed by 15% or 20% yep. in one summer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what that would mean. I think OKC would be in a great position though. Auto <laughs> uh, Porter is another bad deal. Yeah, but isn't he just, he's kind of like a Batum. He has one more player option a year. Yes. But still, like that's one where the Thunder were like, okay, we'll give you Gallinari. And we'll take back. We'll take on an extra year, but you've got to give us a good asset in return. Yes, that would make sense. I, w- I wouldn't mind that at all. Because then you still have Otto Porter now to flip next year. Because mm-hmm. he that's the thing about taking back a contract. It's so cool if you can take back someone <laughs> who can still play basketball. Yeah. Because then you could potentially still trade them the following season. Yep. Yeah, you're right. There's not a ton of just horrible deals out there. Unlike John Wall, like John Wall's a dead end. If yes. you trade into that, I feel like you're stuck with that. Yep. Or Tim Hardaway. He makes $18 million for the next two seasons. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of interested what Dallas will do because they are really – I mean, I don't think they can win a championship this year, but they are in a position where they are thought of much higher than they've been thought of in like half decade. Yeah. Um, they have serious buzz with them. And they definitely need more on that roster, a little bit more depth, or maybe like a, a, a real number three. And I don't know if any of our guys are like obviously the perfect fit. I mean, I think Gallinari makes sense with pretty much every team. Mm-hmm. But I'm really interested to see what Dallas does. If they decide to kind of go all in or if they're just going to be happy with what they got, just kind of play it out. Mm-hmm. Man, the Kings got some bad contracts. Corey Joseph for the next three years. 12 this year, 12.6 the next two years. God, that's just a bad deal. You're paying 20, uh, that's... $25 million for Dwayne Dedman and for Corey Joseph. 25. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not so good. Uh, uh, Thunderman OKC says, choose one Thunderman most deserving of a chip. Russ, Steve, Nick, who deserves it? Uh, well, it's obviously Russ. Let's take Russ out of it. <laughs> okay. Because he's obvious. It's, it is Russ. Russ. Oh, why don't we just choose Russ then? Why do we no, got to take can. him out? Why do we got to take What's him out? It's a more interesting it? question. If we if we set him aside, we go ahead and give him his ring. Okay. He's satisfied. Give him out two now rings. Choose someone else. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to choose Anthony Morrow. <laughs> my, choose Dick. One, one of my Cook. favorite Thunder players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Russell. If you're going to give one to somebody, what he gave to this team and to the city, it's it's really, it's really not. It's really no question, right? And then I guess no. Nick is next, right? Hmm. What? That's what you're, if, that, if that's what you're into, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is what sure. I'm into. <laughs> um, let's see. This is from at Unal. Unalet Mex. That just can't be right. Sorry. Uh, let's let's say that Nader turns out to play at what we foresee as his best potential. Not a liability on defense. Good score off the bench. With his age, you see him 
warranting a contract extension or would you let him walk? There seems to be more value in giving those minutes to say Dort, Burton, Bays, Hami, and Ferg. (laughs) I'm scared to answer this question. They're not going to give him an extension. Um, But if he plays well the rest of the season, he's played well the past few games. Is that a blip on the radar? Probably. Um, But if it's not, and he's just like a, if he's a solid role player, uh, then you don't think, I don't think give an extension, but maybe you sign him to another, you know, two year minimum deal. You know, like he's, he's under, I don't, I don't think that Nader's like, I'm going to contract here. I'm going for this. Like I'm going to get, you know, this massive contract. I think that he's just kind of hanging on. And I think he knows that. And so does, does he know that he's like within earshot of being a 50, 40, 90 guy? Cause I didn't know that. He doesn't. He doesn't know anything about any of his stats. Oh yeah. He did say that on the pod. Well, yeah. you got to tell him he's shooting 48, 41, 83. Yeah. And he's only shooting one and a half free throws per game. So he could get it up to 90 relatively quick. He could get there. He, how does he only go to the line? <laughs> how does he shoot one and a half free throws? He's always driving. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he is always driving. He but, deserves more. I give him I give him credit for playing well the past few games, um, but you know we need to see more of that. We need to see a a twenty game sample of that. And if he's that, great. That's a, that's a helpful player, you know. And the Thunder don't really have a lot of options on the wing, and so I think he's helpful. And you also have to you also have to mention that Deontay Burton is the same age as as Nader. So would would it be better to give more minutes to Dort, Bays, Hami, and Ferg? Probably. Um, but if he's a role player that you can develop, and if he's on a minimum contract and you can flip him to somebody else and they think that he would help them, like those are the kind of guys that you would like to have around two as a part of a rebuild, is guys that you can develop and then flip to somebody else for another future asset. So, you know, I don't know. I think that the, the Thunder like him, and we'll see. What, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah. Okay. The, this guy says, asks, will trading away key players while being in playoff contention negatively affect the attitudes of guys that remain on the roster? And should that be of any concern? I mean, I think the only guys that would, wouldn't like it would be CP3 and Schroeder probably. Um, but I mean, w- I think CP3 knew going in what the deal was. Yeah, I'm sure. Schre- I'm sure Schroeder would like to play on on a playoff team. He just seems like a very competitive guy, in general. Yeah, but, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's any. I think these guys know where this team is and where they're headed and what they're a part of, and I think that it it's only good for them to play as cohesively as possible, to play as well as possible because that will make good teams want them. You know, when you had those bad teams in Cleveland, I mean, everybody laughed at the Thunder when they traded for Deion Waiters, you know, because that team had no cohesion. They were just a mess. It's like, that's, that's, you want to trade for a, a player on that team, you don't trade for that guy, you know, helping the Thunder, but still it's, it's, you know, you get this kind of like loser stink on you a little bit where it's like, oh, well that guy, he's just not any good. 
and you have to do something where you have to trade TJ, like the Suns had to trade TJ Warren. They had to attach a first round pick to him to trade him. And so it's, it's, it only is helpful to the team and to the players if they want to find a better situation to play well and to play together. And they're doing that. And I think it's under the leadership of Billy Donovan. I think it's under the leadership of Chris Paul and I, you know, Steven Adams and those guys. I just think that they genuinely don't care who shoots what shot. And I think that that matters. And so I, I don't think it will really affect it all that much. Uh, I don't think that this team is that they don't understand the situation that they're in. I think they do. So I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, at TJ Beasy, will this team go 70 and 12 with Dort on the roster? I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they do. Uh, if they go 5 and 0 after Jay's 0 and 5 statement, what is Jay's punishment? <laughs> we seriously will have to find a punishment if that happens. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's funny too because. Uh, Jay's definitely like the most positive out of all of us on this team. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. <laughs> he, and he just turned his back on them. He did. He so one, on two, them. three, four. Okay. So the fifth one will be on Saturday in Denver. I mean, if they go five, I don't think they'll do that, but if they do that, <laughs> we will have to, Jay will have to do something humiliating. He just has to. Uh, three, what powers does Andrew have? Everyone who does an interview with him is playing well. I, I have no powers, but I, I do find myself rooting for those guys a little bit more. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's been kind of strange, honestly, because um, I actually had an interview set up with somebody else, um, and then um, Nader ended up being the guy, which was great. It ended up being great. He was, to me, I think he was the best interview. Um, so far he was really awesome. Um, so I was glad to get to do that, but it's just funny that it coincides with him playing well afterwards. Uh, and then how would each of you approach the rest of the season, Alex? Uh, kind of what we've heard, uh, the idea that, yes, I would probably be looking to trade the guys that we all know are being looked to be traded. Um, but I wouldn't rush into it. We have two months until the trade deadline. We shouldn't be in any rush to make a deal on December 15th in the way that other teams in the league should be in a rush to make a deal on December 15th. So if they want to pay up, because the reality is for teams like Portland, like they have to do something right now to solidify themselves getting back into the playoffs. Yep. They can't wait till February. We can. Yep. So if they recognize that, then they should pay up. And so if they're only offering lottery protected firsts that turn into two seconds eventually, I'm not interested. I'll mm. just hang on to our guys. We'll mm. see what happens. Good luck to you. Yep. And so I, I'm, that is what I think Sam Presti is doing right now. And that's, that makes sense with all the things that we've been hearing over the past two days. Um, you know, I think the playoff push thing is kind of a red herring. But, you know, I, I, I get why he would say that to Woj and put that out there. Yeah. So playoff, playoff push. Like, what is? I mean, what does that mean? Like, guys, go play hard. Like, they're not going to go get somebody else. They're not going to go get a wing that's going to help them. They're not going to use a couple of first round picks to go get somebody. They're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. And so, playoff push is kind of a. It's just I don't. Yeah, I think you're right. That it's just not a an accurate portrayal of <laughs> what's going to happen with them. I think it is like, hey. 
we can look at us. We're in the seventh seed. We don't need to trade these guys. And all yeah, the look teams- at you losers. Blazers. <laughs> right. Are think- you like nine and 14? <laughs> yeah. I think that he What's wrong with you. He looks at that situation and it's more like, yeah, we don't, we don't need to do this. And those teams that are like, Oh, I thought that we were just going to be handed Gallinari or handed in a Schroeder. Like, Oh, we don't. Okay. Well, maybe we have to pay up. And that's, that's it. Is that Sam wants these teams to pay up for, for their players. Uh, last question from at bold money with Sam looking to repeat the process of his first rebuild in OKC. What are some things that he might look to do differently because of the way of the way the NBA has changed both on and off the court since then. You know, it was interesting listening to him on the Woj podcast. Something that came up again and again was him saying, you know, earlier in my career, I might have done this differently. But And he, and he d- would never go into like too much depth about those changes. Yep. But I think one change that he has made is, and it wasn't like he wasn't doing this before, but he's really focused on like, building a really good relationship with player agents and with players and having really good relationships across the board. Because you look at that story that came out a week ago with Mello warning CP3 about Houston, like, hey, these guys are going to do you dirty at some point. Um, Just be ready for it. Like, that's not good. Yeah. Like, I don't want my franchise to have stories out about it like that. And OKC has done the exact opposite of that. I think when, whenever Chris Paul's tenure with the Thunder is done, I think he's going to look back on this franchise really fondly mm-hmm. and have nice things to say about it. In the same way that Russ will, probably not in the same way that KD will, whatever. <laughs> By <laughs> but, his own choice. Like, yeah. Right. But even like Paul George, like seeing him going up to Billy Donovan, like I, building those type of relationships and him talking about the Paul George trade and you know, flying out there and he was saying, you know, we had built a really good relationship up with Paul and his agent. And so, you know, I just wanted to meet them face to face and have the conversation. And it just all seems like very professional. Everything's above board. He's very open with these guys. The fact that he said, we kind of knew we only had one more year, Mm -hmm. even though we all know that Paul George had two more years left on his contract, lets me know that like they had conversations about this. Like, yeah, he was probably never playing out that contract in Oklahoma City, and Sam knew that. And so uh, I know I just got way off track, but I thought that was worth bringing up. Yeah. In terms of things that he might do differently, you know, I do wonder if he's going to change his approach to player development or the type of players that he targets. You know, one of the worst moves in his career, which wasn't really that bad of a move, but it was the perk trade. And I say Mm -hmm. worst because it was a reaction to another team and it wasn't going out and building like his own vision of what basketball should look like. He traded for perk because of the Los Angeles Lakers, because Mm -hmm. they had Bynum and Gasol at the time. And it sounds crazy to think about that right now, because within a season they were like extinct. And all of a sudden LeBron's like no position basketball in Miami had taken over the sport. Yeah. And so I would just I would just wonder if he doesn't really focus on like what other teams are doing going forward and kind of creates his own version of whatever he thinks like the future of basketball is because things are going to change in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. pace and space feels right like right now like it's here to stay, but there could be rule changes. There could be things coming up. We just don't know. So I don't know. Those that's the one thing I thought of. 
Yeah. And I think that what goes along with that is just patience. I think he'll have more patience with the with building toward being a title contender. And I, I think that he's gonna take I think he should I think the team should take a hard look at the new CBA that will be established in 2023, I believe they've, they've got to take a hard look at that and know what rules are in place before they push all their chips in. Uh, because I think that the Thunder push all their chips in and then the rules change on them. And that has screwed the Thunder organization time and time again. And so I, I think they would like to wait I think they'd like to time it. I think that they should time it. I don't know if they would like to. I think that they should time it to coincide with the next CBA. And so it's some it's a long time to wait, but if you're OKC and you're this small market and you already have all these things that are stacked up against you, you you've got to know what's in front of you a little bit better. And I think that that's a that's a way to do it is to allow, you know, the rules to be set. <clears throat> and maybe the next rules will be more favorable to smaller markets. I think there's going to be a push for that. I think there's going to be a fight for that because you can look at the league now and say that this is a big market league and it's hard to be a small market franchise and they've got to change some things in order to balance out the league a little bit because they've talked about how they want you know, all these teams to be more balanced. You can't do it in the current structure. And so I think that, that should be a part of it. So... uh Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Al Babycakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you've got some time on your hands. It's really easy if you have an iPhone. Select the Purple Podcast app. Search Down to Dunk. Hit five stars. Boom, you're done. Leave us a message if you'd like. I read all of them, so I appreciate those. Hope you guys have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.